Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton of Linksfield Shul, and here with you on this day, on Tuesday, commemorated as Yom Hazikaron, a day of remembrance, as we remember the fallen soldiers and the victims of terror in our holy land in Israel. And we say prayers to all those who are mourning their loved ones and standing in solidarity with the families and thinking about and appreciating the sacrifice that these people went through and their families to protect their fellow Jew, to protect the land, to, to protect all of us. So that's how we uh, I want to start the show, and that's what I really want to s- discuss throughout the show, is to live with uh, gratitude for people who've sacrificed so much. I started the, the show by playing, it's a cappella time of the year, so we were playing Wall of Stone. That was um, Benny Freeman singing Wall of Stone, one of my favorite songs, and a reminder to each and every one of us that we have to get along. We have to get along. We have to figure out a way not only how to die together and not only how to grieve for the dead together, but how to live together. Unfortunately, throughout our history, we've we've died a lot together. Think of millions in the Holocaust, terror attacks throughout the years, various pogroms, etc. We've died together. We're buried together. But can we live together? That's what, what this day calls upon me. And I believe, especially this time of the year in the Omer, between Pesach and Shavuot, during the seven weeks of the Omer, when we enter a time of mourning, where we commemorate the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva, who about 1,900 years ago died, because they couldn't get along. And the the timeless message that the great challenge is to figure out a way to live together. It's one of the, it's most probably the greatest challenge. Our sages tell us that there were two temples that stood in Jerusalem, both on the Temple Mount. The first one was built by Solomon, by Shlomo HaMelech, King Solomon, and destroyed hundreds of years later by the Babylonians. And then 70 years later, another temple was built, this time by Ezra and Nehemiah, the Jewish leaders in Israel at the time, and destroyed over many hundreds of years later by the Romans. The first temple, we're told that spiritually the reason it was destroyed, obviously in a physical sense the Babylonians came and invaded, but the reason that God allowed it and actually made it happen is because at the time the people were sinning with the great sins of idolatry, adultery, and murder. You can't get any greater sins than that. I mean, those are the sins that we're told that a person, if they are given the choice to either commit that sin or, or, or die. They should choose death. For other sins, they're told, you know, you have to eat pork. The, the Jewish law will say you could eat pork. But if they say commit adultery, do murder, murder somebody, 
or serve an idol, a person, according to Jewish law, is obligated to choose death. Point is that these are big sins. And that's why the temple was destroyed, because unfortunately these sins were rampant within the community at the time. And yet, how long did the destruction last? Only 70 years. 70 years later, they built a temple. It maybe wasn't as beautiful as the first temple, at least at the, in the first reincarnation. Later on, it was rebuilt by Herod to be magnificent. But for the first hundreds of years of the second temple era, the temple was very, very basic. It was built by an impoverished uh, group of people. It wasn't as fancy, it, didn't, it wasn't as miraculous, but the fact is there was a temple. The second temple, we're told, although there was other sins, but the fundamental sin that caused the destruction of the temple is hatred. Sinastinam, which literally translates as hatred for no reason, free hatred. Hatred that, that literally is just, I can't stand your guts, and you can't stand mine. And obviously there's always excuses. Nobody just says, I hate you, and there's no excuse. I hate you because you look different. I hate you because you serve God differently than me. I hate you because you see the world differently than me. I hate you because you're a very different personality than me. There's always good excuses, but <clears throat> an excuse is not a reason. At the core, it's, I can't stand you. I don't have room for you in my life. And the second temple as has been discussed, and we'll discuss later on in the year, uh, during the three weeks of mourning, which only which follows not too long after the months of the, the seven weeks of mourning of the Omer, we then have the three weeks leading up to Tisha B'Av, um, commemorating the destruction of the Temple. So we could talk m- more about then, like the actual lead up and the hatred. But the fact is that the Second Temple fundamentally it was destroyed from a spiritual sense. Because we couldn't get along. And now it's 1953 years later, and the temple still doesn't stand. And Rabbi Shneir Zalman, the, the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, Baal Shulchan Aruch, he says that, look at it, look at the facts. Idolatry, adultery, and murder, God forgave. And allowed the temple to be rebuilt. Not getting along? Almost 2,000 years later, it's not built. It tells you, first of all, how harsh it is in God's eyes when we don't get along, but also it tells you how difficult it is to fix this thing. Because every person who hates somebody else feels very justified. I've never met somebody who's variable with another person, who has a grudge with another person, who doesn't feel that they're 100% legitimate in their point of view. And yet, and yet... Isn't that the lesson we need to learn? To figure out how to get along? Justifications for not getting along we've had for thousands of years. You you don't have to be a great person and a very, you know, moral individual to figure out reasons why not to get along. There's no courage in that. This person didn't invite you to their kid's wedding and this person didn't greet you nicely at the Shabbos Bracha and the other person um, spoke behind your back and the other person took money from your inheritance, there's always good reasons, right? All legitimate. But then on the other hand, there's, we have to get along. We have to get along. Figure out a way, not only how to die together, but to live together. And as today, as we 
commemorate the the victims, whether it's the victims of terror, close to 5,000 people who died in terrorist attacks, including, I think, like 36 in the last year or so, um, soldiers and terror victims. And we commemorate the close to 25,000 soldiers who died protecting the land. And we think about their death. There's an expression they say in Hebrew, in their death, they told us how to live. In other words, the mandate that that screams out is figure out a way to live together. Not to agree, we'll never agree. We're, we're an opinionated bunch. No one's ever going to get all of us to agree. But if only we can create leaders or be the leaders ourselves that can encourage one and all to figure out a way to live together, that we don't give up on each other, that we never stop trying to make it work, to be able to see the other person as a human being, to see their inner dignity, to not label, to not other the other person, to not create, you know, oh, that person belongs to that camp and that person votes that way, but to see it within each other, the basic humanity. If we could do that, I believe that that's the greatest honor we could give to those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. The next song in a cappella version I would like to play for you is We Stand as One. It talks about standing with our holy land, especially during times of terror and pain. We Stand as One by Kol Zimra on 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. Be brave, be strong. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is our message to our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land. And uh, on this special day of Yom Azikaron, day of remembrance, when we pay tribute to the soldiers who paid the ultimate sacrifice and to all the victims of terror. Personally, I'm thinking about one student of mine, um, a, a former South African, you might recognize the name, Ellie Kay, who was killed over a year ago walking to the Kotel. He was a former soldier. He was, going to, he was a tour guide at the Kotel, was shot in the old city. I had the privilege of teaching Ellie, taking him on a tour to New York a few years ago. And we spent some real time together. And um, I remember him on this day. Think of him and his amazing family, his parents, grandparents, and siblings, family. And as we were saying before the break, the the great challenge is to figure out a way not only how to cry and mourn and die together, but how to live together. And to live together and understanding that unity does not mean conformity. It's a theme that I'm sure each and every one of us has heard a thousand times, but it's the kind of theme that we should never stop talking about it because we're not getting better at it. So either we're not talking about it correctly or it's such a hard thing to look okay. But I, I, until I figure out a better way to communicate it, we're going to keep on harping on it. Unity is not conformity. Unity doesn't mean that we all get along. Unity doesn't mean that every member of the family sees the world the same way. Unity means that we still love each other. That we are family, and family is family is family. 
unfortunately, all too often in my role as a rabbi, I see families that fragment. They can't come to an understanding, they can't come to an agreement, and they stop talking to each other. And like, what does one have to do with another? So you see the world differently. You don't have to talk politics. You don't have to have those conversations if it's triggering. But you, you don't cut off family. You don't cut off your limb. Family is family is family. We're all one. And we have to figure out a way to, to see that in each other. To look at each other and to see that we're all one. That we belong together. That this, that this is who shares my soul. I'm, I quoted earlier Rabbi Shneir Zaman of Liadi, the author of the Tanya in chapter 32, he talks extensively on the idea of we all come from the same source. We all share the same soul. We all have the same father. We're all the same. The only thing that separates us is our, is our external. But external, superficial. But in essence, we're one. And that's a theme that we, we must never forget. We're one. And we're so good at remembering it at times like this, at a time like the day of memorial, when we think of the victims, when we think about the soldiers who paid the ultimate sacrifice, we don't ask, oh, what politics, how religious were they, what did they look like, how did they identify, etc. We just feel for them and their families. Because we're, we're good at grieving together. But are we good at living together? I remember hearing one time from a very wise person. He said, a true friend doesn't only grieve with you. A true friend knows how to be happy for you when things are good. It's, it's a sad truth, but it's, it's easier to have pity and to be there for someone that's going through a hard time. Because there's no jealousy, right? There's no, there's no threat. The other person's having a hard time, so you go there and you stretch and you're there for them. But imagine your friend, you know, just has a, a beautiful life. They have nachas from their kids. The kids make them so proud. Obviously, nobody has a perfect life, but people have it easier than others, no question. And they're marrying off their kids, and they have financial abundance, and they have a flourishing marriage. And you look at yourself, and you say, gosh, I don't have any of that, or I don't have some of that. And to still be happy for them, that is true friendship. To grieve with somebody is beautiful. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking, but it's, it's, and it's beautiful, it's necessary, and it's something that as a community we're fantastic at. Whenever you talk to people who are going through a grief, they'll say the Joburg Jewish community is amazing at being there. My question to myself and to, to the listeners is, are we as good as being happy for somebody else's happiness? That's harder because that's when there's no pity. The emotion that often rises is jealousy. Why them, not me? What did I do wrong? Why does my, why do my kids cause me so much grief? And why is my marriage looking the way it does? And why don't I have all those abundance? And why am I not going on those holidays? And to still be happy. There's a word in Yiddish, and it was adapted into modern Hebrew as well. Being happy for somebody's happiness. It's called fargin. And in Hebrew, they just say lefargen, which is the exact same word. To fargen somebody, to be happy, to, to celebrate their achievement and not be overcome by our own inadequacy, our own jealousy, and whatever else we're feeling at the time, but to truly 
be happy. Baruch Hashem. I know I have my challenges, but I'm so happy for you that you're marrying off your child. I'm so happy for you that, you're, that your kids are healthy. I'm so happy for you that your marriage is flourishing. I'm happy for you. Like, what, what do I need you to suffer, you know, like me? To be able to, like, truly feel the simcha of another person, that is the level of greatness. And the point is that when, when people die, it, it, it unites. But the real courage is to figure out when they're alive. I mean, even this week's Parsha, there's two, there's two Parshiot this week we're going to read. It's not a Parsha show, but it connects strongly to the theme, just the names of the Parsha. The, the first Parsha's name is Achrimot, after death, and refers to after the death of the children of Aaron, God gives the commandment of Yom Kippur. He introduces the whole concept of Yom Kippur. Fine. The next Parsha is Kedoshim. You should be holy. And God talks about various ways of inculcating holiness into our life. And the, the, the following Parsha, which we're going to read next week, is Amor, you should say. Talk to the children of Aaron and talk, tell them the laws of the Kohanim, etc., of the high, of the priests. So there's a pun. It's, a, it's an old pun. It definitely wasn't, uh, it didn't, wasn't introduced the last few years. And it goes like this. After someone dies, you could say that they're holy. It's a pun on the three parshiyot. After death, say that they're holy. And the pun is basically saying, the quip, that after someone dies, it's very easy to say, oh wow, they're, they're so holy, they're amazing, they're fantastic, they're cherished, they're magnificent. They have the bad joke of um, this rabbi who's giving a eulogy about a, a young father and husband who passed away. And he paints the guy as literally God's gift to humanity. At some stage, the widow turns to her child and says, please check out the grave and see it's dad. It doesn't sound like the man I was married to. In other words, once a person dies, it's very easy to, to paint them in glorious terms. And there's a reason for that. Because they're no longer a threat. Right? There's only compassion and pity and you can't really be angry anymore. It's over. The threat's over. The pain's over. But to love somebody when they're alive, to appreciate them when they're alive, to appreciate them when they could still threaten you, your sense of self, when you could still be jealous of them, when they still are a constant reminder of the success that they have versus maybe the success that we don't, to appreciate them then, that takes courage. That takes, that's a big person. So on Yom Karan, we're focusing on how to, you know, remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. But the great challenge is then to figure out each and every one of us how to get along with living people, how to honor people who are alive. Not just cry at their grave, but to see their value, even when they're imperfect. Right After a person dies, they're, they're beautiful, they're perfect. As long as they're alive, they're imperfect. We're all imperfect. We all have things about us that are very unlikable. We all have things about us that are not pretty. And we all have things about us that are beautiful. And we hope that people see in us the good stuff. They see the stuff that's likable. They love the stuff that's lovable. And they forgive our mistakes. Love is blind.
But can't we do the same for others? Can't we give the people what we what we wish? To be able to look at somebody and say, yeah, you're imperfect. So what? That's what living is about. Living is not for angels. Living is for imperfect human beings. And maybe their imperfection grates you, but figure out a way to live with it. And understand that God created each and every one of us as the package we are. And we're meant to get along. And God blesses us when we get along. There's brachas in the family when the family gets along. There's brachas in the community when the community gets along. And the opposite, the opposite. It's, it's, it's the source of bracha. We say every day in the Amidah, in the, in the, in the prayer, in the most important prayer each day, we say, Brachenu avinu kolanu Bless us, dear Father, we are all one. In other words, what we're saying is because we're one, bless us. When we're one, right? A parent, when they see their children get along, it opens their hearts. There's no greater nachas for a parent to see their children get along. And there's no greater heartbreak for a parent to see the kids fight. And God's the same way in that way. He wants to see us get along. He wants us to be bigger, see the world with bigger eyes, to not be selfish and petty and small and focus on how hurt we are and our petty egos, but to be gracious and forgiving and generous and big. Just be big, bigger people. It's a challenge each and every, every day, but that's really the challenge of life, to grow up, to be bigger. And to be able to have a, a, the right perspective on life. That's why I want to now play a song. It's called Akiva Nichantanu. Akiva, you comforted us. It's a story of right after the destruction of the temple. The same Rabbi Akiva who later on lost 24,000 students to a plague. He's walking around the temple area with, area with his friends and they see just desolation. And they're heartbroken. But Akiva sees the promise. He says, if the promise of pain has materialized, the promise of redemption and goodness will also materialize. Because there's different prophecies. There's prophecies of pain, of destruction, and there's prophecies of hope and rebuilding. And if part one materialized, part two will as well. And they say, Akiva Nichantanu, Akiva, you comforted us. It's a magnificent song. By Baruch Levine here, here on 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. And today we're talking about honoring those who paid the ultimate sacrifice by learning how to live together and learning how to see each other through eyes of forgiveness and compassion and no judgment. One of my privileges as being a rabbi is I get to hear a lot of people's life stories. And people open up. And without fail, every single person who gets to tell you their story, you judge them less after you hear it. It's just a fact. It's impossible to to hear a person's life's journey 
and not be overwhelmed by compassion. It doesn't mean that you justify what they do. Again, we all make mistakes and our, our life circumstances could maybe give us a skewed perspective on life. But I'm not talking about justifying other people. I'm saying compassion for where they are. You realize, wow, gosh, that's a lot you've been through. And still, still you get up fighting every day. Wow. Wow. Every person you judge is because you don't know them. If you got to know them, you got to see the world through their eyes, you wouldn't jump to conclusions. It's so easy to convince ourselves that we know other people, right? That's what people do all the time. You go on the internet, you see the most horrible comments people post, you this, you that. The person said half a sentence and suddenly everyone has opinions about the person. In general, rule of thumb, don't comment on the internet. That's my philosophy in life. So somehow, I, I think it would be a bit like if comments on the internet were deleted, I think it would make the life better. Although some comments are necessary for some of the stupidity that makes it into the articles. But the concept of people just coming and venting and attacking, it's horrible to watch. And um, if you really saw a person, including your own family, I challenged, I was giving a talk a few days ago, I challenged a group of people, I said, when was the last time you sat down with a sibling of yours who you're judging, and actually just talk it out? Not attack, you hurt me, this, that, but actually just understand where they are in life. Even the people you claim to know so well, your spouse, your children, have you heard their version of events? Have you heard their story? Have you listened with an open heart to really hear? Everyone wakes up every day trying to do the right thing. It doesn't mean they are, and it doesn't mean you have to justify their mistakes. But it does mean that you could just stop judging so much. Stop judging. Stop assuming stuff. And just, just sit with an open heart. Listen to their story. Don't judge. Even if, based on the facts you heard, you've created this narrative that they are literally the worst thing ever. Did you hear them? Now, obviously, there are certain things in the world that are objectively evil. Murder, rape, etc. But most of the times when we don't get along with each other, it's not for that, that scale stuff. It's misunderstandings. It's hurtful things that are said. Things that are not said. In consideration. But often we get so hurt by people without realizing we do the same thing. We also overlook some people in our life. And we also have bad moods. And we also sometimes give people attitude. And yet when someone gives us that attitude, the world comes to an end. How dare they? Are we always sweet? Are we always sugary sweet to everybody? Are we always understanding and kind? And, and we also have our moments. And if we could forgive ourselves, why can't we forgive each other and just live? And so what, even if the person sees the world totally different than you, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with difference of opinion? Like, I don't know where in human history did we develop this philosophy that if you see the world different than me, I have to hate you. I have to look down at you. I have to disrespect you. Ma Kesher. 
It's the connection. It's the relationship. So what? So they see the world differently. So what? And even if you're right, chances are none of us are 100% right. But let's say you literally, you have the monopoly on truth. Somehow you had the revelation and every single perspective of yours is 100% accurate and there's no nuance needed and there's no opposing view. Fine, let's say. So what? So, so now what? Are you going to hate everyone who doesn't see the world exactly like you? Is it even possible for anyone to see the same the world the same like you? And let's be honest. You don't even see the world the same way the way you saw the world five years ago. Nobody does. You're an evolving species. So what do you want from them? They're also evolving. And their life is giving them different conclusions. So, so what? Yom Azikaron, the day to remember the sacrifice the people paid and, the, and made. And the way to honor it is by choosing to live better. They died to sanctify God's name. And we have to live to sanctify God's name. And the greatest way to sanctify God's name is by honoring God's children. And we're all God's children. Nobody has a monopoly on being created in the image of God. Nobody is more in God's image than the other person. We're all, all God's children. And God loves us all. So if God could find it within his heart to love each and every one of us unconditionally and forgive, can't we give the same to each other? This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. Each and every one of us have the, the privilege and honor to to remember today, to do our job in remembering and to do our job in committing to honor those who died protecting our land and died for just simply being in the land, honoring them by choosing to live better in their memory. The way we honor those who passed is by by living better. Unlike so many people who think that the way to honor the people who passes by living in perpetual grief and giving up on life and becoming cynical. The greatest nachas we could give them is by choosing to live and live life to the fullest with joy, with happiness, with, with goodness and forgiveness and generosity. And I believe that's the, that's the message of the day. The motam in their death, they tell us how to live. It's not only the, those who died, you know, protecting the land and the victims of terror. It's all death in, in each and every one of us in our private lives, those people that we lost. The honor them is to live. And live for them. And through us, they live. Right, there's an expression in the Talmud, Mazarei b'chaim, mafu b'chaim. When his children are alive, he's alive. The parent is alive when their children are alive. And when I mean alive, I don't only mean the physical sense. When the children, when the child, when the people left here in this world are living with vibrancy, excitement, with joie de vivre, with joy, with simcha, then they're truly bringing life to their parents. 
and the parent is now alive because they've raised this person. So if we want to honor those people who really gave their life for us, let's choose to live better. Let's choose to live better. And the greatest way to live better is by figuring out a way to get along. Figuring out a way to live in this world without resentment, without variables, with just love. I want to conclude today's show with a beautiful song, Yerushalayim, by um, Ari Goldwag, honoring our holy city of Jerusalem. May it be rebuilt soon. Amen.